Hello, 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 and welcome to the Sightcast, the only show where we're qualified to tell you about you. I'm Spencer <laughs> Baker. And I'm David Irvin. And today we have a brand new topic to talk to you about, because talking about the same thing twice in a row is boring. <laughs> today we're going to talk about personality. Yeah. We've got plenty of that in this room. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot wrapped up in that word. People have a lot of assumptions whenever we say personality, especially whenever we're a couple of psychologists talking to you about it. Yeah, yeah. Probably what jumped into your head were a couple of letters from the Myers-Briggs test or this word that you've been described as. People yeah. say a lot to you about your personality. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the intricacies of what it actually means to have a personality, what personality is and is not, and some of the pitfalls people fall into uh, when discussing this topic. Yeah, one of the one of the first personality tests that was really ever put out was the Enneagram. Ah, uh, yes. It's very, um, very interesting. Uh, I know some people really like it a lot. Uh, I personally just took it just to see what it was like. And honestly, it was not a good representation of me. Um, yeah, but... Uh, the, you want to tell yeah. us about the history of this? The the Enneagram is one of the kinds of uh, personality tests that is very popular. A lot of people I've run into will swear by it. Say yeah. that though, this is how I discovered who I was. But as we go through this discussion, we're going to find out how the Enneagram is a good example of how a test, um, not all tests are created equal. Some are a little bit better at describing mm -hmm. personality across the board than others. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about the factors that make a test good and make it an effective measure of personality. Yeah. So starting with the very basics, we're going to get into several tests, including the Enneagram, the Myers-Briggs, um, maybe even some BuzzFeed quizzes for those of you who find your personality on there. <laughs> but before we start all that, we're going to get into uh, what personality is in general. The simple, concise definition for the word personality, because there's a lot that's wrapped up in it. Personality is you as distinct from everyone else. That's how I like to think of it. Yeah. There are some things that characterize all of us, some traits and things that are true of big groups of people, but personality is you and the things that are true about you that really aren't true about the people around you. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different like theory of personality, like how it's formed and so on and so forth. A lot of what uh, we've put out here is more based on behavior than anything else because that's kind of what people test when they test it. They don't test the mm -hmm. other aspects. Um, there are theories, like there's plenty of like psychological theories of personality that are different. <clears throat> but um, yeah, most of these personality tests are, uh, are based on behavior, like what you do and how you do it. Uh, so yeah. And, um, yeah, or, or how you think about things. So not necessarily like something inherently ingrained in you, more like it's how you think about things. Right. You know? right. Everyone has traits that we would think of as personality, like, oh, he has, he has, he's, he's loud. We consider that a personality trait. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that that's good or bad, it's just something about him. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very important to remember that, uh, yeah, personality is not, it's not a good or bad thing. It's just a thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's certain advantages and disadvantages, whatever, to different personalities, but it, it's not really an advantage or it, it's not really like one person's better than the other one because of their personality. Uh, whenever you're thinking about personality, what it is and what it's not, because people can get way too invested in it or they can say, well, personality doesn't matter all that much. It really is somewhere in between. So mm -hmm. whenever you're thinking about personality, I came up with four um, things that personality is that can help dispel some of the myths surrounding it. First, it's unique. The first thing we talked about is that it's unique to you. It's you versus everyone else, that you have your own personality and no one else in the world has quite the same personality as you. They can have a lot of the same traits, 
they can have a very similar personality type, but yours is unique to you because no one else has the same combination of genetics and choices and environment that you have. So what's been created in you and what you've chosen to make of yourself is not quite the same as anyone else's. Also, uh, personality is flexible. It doesn't account for all of your behavior. Mm -hmm. I don't do everything in my life because, oh, he's that personality type. A lot of what I do is just because it makes sense. Yeah. Um, the environment is very important in determining how you make your decisions, not just the kind of person you are. Mm -hmm. You put 100 people in a situation where, oh, I have to take this test. Uh, they're going to take the test. They're going to try their best on it for the most part, not based on how oh, the personality predicts that, but because it just makes sense as the, as the logical thing to do. Uh, personality types are non, what I call non-judgmental, meaning these are value-neutral statements. Mm -hmm. If I have the personality type of being assertive, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm bad, doesn't mean I'm bossy, and it doesn't mean that I am a great leader. Yep. It can, any personality type can be turned, it can be good, it can be bad, depending on how it's used, how it's expressed, and how it's developed. Yeah, and it, it's the same, like, you know, just because I'm assertive and, like, there could be good qualities with that, but being passive also can have good quality. It's, mm -hmm. you know, everything essentially has its own, like, uh, its own capability and its own advantages, so... Uh, it depends on how it's displayed. So the personality traits themselves are not, uh, you know, problematic or anything like that. Um, it's more how it's displayed. And you have to remember that when you're going into this. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You probably have been raised to value some um, personality types over others, especially based on what your parents were. Um, I come from a family of all introverts. I'm the only extrovert in my family. So growing up when I was younger, I thought that um, in being introverted, being more quiet was a desirable trait, that it was something that I should uh, strive for, that it was something that might make me better. Um, as I got older, I realized it doesn't really matter if you're you know, more extroverted mm -hmm. or introverted, introverted. What matters is understanding who you are and using that. Yeah. So um, we bring our own assumptions and biases into any personality test, mm -hmm. but whatever personality traits you have they're not bad it's just about developing them yep turning them into something that you can use for good yep um another big thing is these are generalizations they are not specific to you really i mean they do define specific like traits but those traits are generalized traits of mm -hmm. all human beings so um you know when you take this test like if you go there's a really popular site to take like the myers-briggs or something it's called 16personalities.com it's actually really good if you haven't tried it you should um, but it has a lot of like speculation on what the different personality types mean like once you finish the test the the test is very solid for what it is and so it, this is usually what i recommend to people to use is this site but you have to take it with a grain of salt when you look at people's interpretations of it you have to look at what the qualities mean and you have to kind of understand from that perspective because, you know, it's like I'm not trying to hate on anybody who likes the horoscopes, but a lot of times these generalizations will become like a horoscope. Like, you know, you're a Taurus, so you're angry at people all the time and you oh, do this no. and like it'll give you like very, very general statements that like, hey, you woke up and you breathed today and people are like, oh, my goodness gracious, that's, that's exactly me. That's so me. <laughs> And it's like, well, yeah, but it's like you, they're using generalizations. The point of this test isn't to it isn't to make you something. It is to help your personality. It is right. to give you something. Mm -hmm. So it's like it, it doesn't control you. You control it in the end is basically what I'm saying. 
and just don't let this be something that, um, you know, somebody else's interpretation of these factors define you. Right. You know, there's a uh, effect called the Barnum effect that is present anytime someone takes any kind of assessment is that we look for what we are told that we are. Mm -hmm. We are looking for anyone to tell us um, what kind of person we are. We look for someone to tell us kind of a definition of ourselves. So people will find themselves in something that isn't necessarily describing them. Mm -hmm. That's why horoscopes work. That's why general generalized statements work mm -hmm. because um, people want to be told about themselves. I want, I'm interested in, okay, what kind of person am I? What's my identity? Because personality and identity are pretty closely tied together. So even if a measure of personality isn't very accurate or isn't very valid, people will still uh, end up assuming it's more valid than it is mm -hmm. because whenever we're taking it, it reminds us of the traits that we all have. Reminds us like, sometimes I'm assertive, so maybe I'm that. Sometimes yeah. I'm pretty like emotional, so maybe I'm a feeler. Sometimes I'm pretty uh, intuitive, so maybe I have that trait. So people will look for themselves in the kind of questions they're being asked, and it kind of skews the results of some personality tests making them feel more credible than they actually are. Yeah, definitely. So be, be guarded in the way you take tests. Um, a little bit of healthy skepticism is good no matter what yeah. you're doing, yeah. but especially whenever you know that you're going to be biased towards whatever answer you're given, um, take it with a grain of salt and then test it against um, your actual experience day to day. Because these tests aren't made to, um, well, for the most part, their intention isn't to make you not think. They're there to make you think, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. They're here to, uh, like, put you into motion so that you can self-actualize in a way. You're you're trying to take this personality test to understand yourself better so that you can improve. And uh, that isn't to show what people think about you. It's to show what you are, like, to help you understand yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not so that you can put yourself in a box, but more just understand. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Some of the biggest uh, strengths of this test is help of uh, not this test of any personality test is to help you discover your strengths. Mm -hmm. Is that people need to know what they're best at? What can I do that someone who has a different personality than me wouldn't be able to do as well? Mm -hmm. What do I need to depend on other people with other personalities to do more so? Uh, what do I need to develop about myself? Because I know my personality type has certain weaknesses, some things that I'm just not as good at, and I need to work on. I have strengths that I need to play to, weaknesses I need to cover. And it very much helps me to understand what those are based on the experiences of other people who have a similar personality type than me. So discovering your own strengths and weaknesses is very much helped by having yourself um, described by one of these tests. Speaking of strengths and weaknesses, we are going to go across the spectrum of tests now, <laughs> uh, starting off with some tests that are not all that credible <laughs> and moving on to more scientific, more rigorous tests that have been... Um, actually examined by psychologists to see how well they actually measure what they intend to measure. It's the idea of validity. Um, does a test actually measure what it's supposed to? Is there a relationship between the scores you get on the Myers-Briggs and what your actual personality is? Is there a correlation between your horoscope and how you actually behave? So we're going to start off with um, the big star test itself, the horoscopes. I'm a I'm a fish. I'm a Pisces man myself. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's cool. We're both fish people. We're we're both swimming in the same boat. We're right swimming now. in this boat. We don't well, swim. Nope, in a, no, we don't swim in a boat. That's a that's an opposite boat. That's like an aquarium. David's on the Titanic <laughs> now. 
So oh, horoscopes. Yeah. Horoscopes are not based on any kind of test you take. They're nope. based solely on what month of the year you are born. Yep. And I personally am not a uh, fan of horoscopes <laughs> because they. Oh man, sorry. M- my girlfriend would kill me if she knew we were talking about this because she she enjoys the horoscopes mm-hmm. and you know I. Mm-hmm. Whenever I look on horoscopes, I do it because I think it's funny. It's <laughs> yeah. fun. It's interesting. And I think that is the can be the role of something like that is saying, oh, you look at the stars and you figure out what kind of person you are. I think my my scientific brain says that is pseudoscience. Yep. But the rest of me is like, it's just it's fun. Maybe. Yeah. It can maybe. be. So you can. If, I if mean, that's it your was thing, someone's religion at one time. Right. So. <laughs> if that's your thing, you're like, oh, I'm going to read this and just make me think about it. Yeah. Do not let a horoscope tell you who you are yeah. because it's not very good at telling you who you oh, are. Not at all. If you were born in a certain month, that means probably nothing about you. Just I mean, about. <laughs> there's, yeah, I mean, the month itself has nothing to do with you. Maybe it means that, like, I don't know, you were born in the cold or something Ooh. because you were in winter, and maybe that affects your personality in some, like, butterfly effect way, but, like, there's... Predicting uh, it is something You different. can't predict mm-hmm. everything about somebody by that, mm-hmm. so... Um, the second, so so much more scientific measure are the uh, wonderful quizzes that you will find on BuzzFeed.com. Yeah, that is my primary source of personal yeah. information about myself. This is this is how I actually come to understand myself. <clears throat> I'd like to talk about a a very nice one right now that I just saw. Um, cook scrambled eggs and we'll reveal your best quality. <laughs> the gods are descending with truth from heaven. Um, this hot or cold test will reveal your personality type. There, I actually saw one. Um, it was kind of a satire article about like, um, like lukewarm bowls of water yes. as Disney princesses. Disney princess has a lukewarm <laughs> bowl of water. Plus your personality, if you were a bowl of water. <laughs> I assume next month they're coming out with which kind of cutler are you? I'm definitely a spoon kind of guy. Uh, yeah. So this is an example of playing off of people's desire to understand themselves. The mm-hmm. Barnum effect, like I mentioned earlier, is that anyone who takes these seriously is falling into the trap of wanting to know something about yourself and being willing to hear it from basically anywhere. So BuzzFeed quizzes are fun, primarily on the basis of making fun of them, but they illustrate the effect that people can put too much stock behind what they're told about themselves. I'm sorry. I'm looking at some of these and I can't deal with it. <laughs> Uh, oh my goodness! I can't. Some of these are inappropriate for our uh, viewer base here. Yes. But uh, if, your ears. Yeah. If no, no, we're not going to say any of those <laughs> words. But uh, you should go check these out because they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're really funny. It's like, why? Why is this a thing that that is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It'll make you a better scientist. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the next one, um, much more credible than the others. I'm not a personal fan of this test based on the research I've done. Um, I believe it has a place, a definite place, and that's the Enneagram, mm-hmm. which we mentioned earlier. Uh, the Enneagram is a very much more popular test. Uh, it seems much more rigorous. It falls within what we usually think of as a personality assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who do know, um, don't be angry at me. I'm not saying that you're a bad person or that you're stupid. I'm saying that I don't believe... It's particularly scientific. Yeah, it it misses the mark in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as a test goes, it's very, it's like Freud. Mm-hmm. Freud, we don't really listen to a lot of what he said. He had some good points, and that's just like the Enneagram. He has, it has good points, mm-hmm. and it definitely was like the first big personality test that we, you know, that people know, mm-hmm. you know. 
and it has its use. And I mean, it's, I guess in some way it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the biggest problems I found when I took it, because I took it earlier today, um, I, one of the biggest problems was that it had double-barreled questions. It was asking two separate things in one question, and you have three options. Yes, partially true, or no. And if you have two questions, if you're asking, like, if someone's anxious about something and at the same time asking if they're organized, then that doesn't – you unless you have, like, thousands of questions, you can't actually measure that within itself. So it – in psychology, we call that a double-barrel question. It's shooting two shots at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's kind of unfair. Right. So. Um, the Enneagram can be, uh, it can appear to be a good measure of your personality, mm-hmm. but because it isn't quite as uh, scientifically rigorous because of those double-barreled bar- que- questions, it'll be more hit or miss than other tests. Mm-hmm. For example, when I took it, I was split halfway between two uh, traits or two uh, personality types that were basically uh, mutually exclusive, I think two yeah. and three. Uh, with some others. So yeah. um, I know my personality somewhat from taking other measures, mm-hmm. and whenever I compare it to this, this one's much more ambiguous for a couple of reasons. And I think one of the main problems that I've seen with it is, like, the types are very much polar opposites. And, um, yeah, mm-hmm. that becomes a problem because if you can't have, like... For instance, the Myers-Briggs, it has polar opposites, but you lie on a spectrum. You're not, like extroverts aren't solely extroverts like extroverts want to be alone like that's a thing and that the Myers-Briggs takes that into account it's more of what your basic tendency is so like but with this it's kind of like this is you and here's the it, it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways because they're so polar opposite and there's no in the middle it's just you are these things you know which kind of creates a lot of a problem <laughs> yeah. there is it's <clears throat> That's the main. That's the major problem I found with it is that it, you are typed into one of mm-hmm. s- very separate categories. Mm-hmm. When in reality, personality is more. Um, this is more complex than that. Mm-hmm. People have aspect aspects of all of those traits. You could say, mm-hmm. or at least several of them, and typing them into one with wings and others. I do appreciate that it does acknowledge that personality does change under some circumstances, but the way that it predicts change is too rigorous to be really um, effective. Yeah saying that your personality will shift into another personality type under stress or under particular circumstances um, is an interesting idea, but there's no particular way of predicting which way the shift will happen um, whenever you apply it to real science. Yeah. Um, Another big thing that I have a problem with this test is it isn't, it's based off of singularly behavior and not thought patterns, Mm -hmm. which was a big problem. Um, Yeah. Which most of the other tests we're going to talk about besides BuzzFeed and horoscopes, take into consideration thought patterns mm-hmm. as well. Usually it's a combination of both behavior and thought patterns. Right. The one thing that people <coughs> will throw against the Enneagram that I don't agree with is its origin. Uh, the origin story of the Enneagram is actually pretty interesting because it was invented by this guy named Oscar Echazo. <laughs> he was uh, born in 1931. Oh, he was man. this Russian-Armenian. No, he wasn't. No, he was born in Bolivia. Uh, and according to interviews with him, he was like, yeah, I, I was talking to these mystics and I wanted to be famous. So I made up this test, and it's cool, right? That's not what he said exactly, but he was not perceived very well in his time. He was based, he associated a lot more with uh, mystics and uh, mm-hmm. pseudoscientists and stuff than with actual uh, scientists. He didn't never really tested his measure. He just figured it would be a good idea because his background was in philosophy. But that in and of itself does not in any way, I think, nope. uh, negate the Enneagram. 
uh, a background in philosophy and psychology does not make you inept. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't count you out. Honestly, mm. it it's actually the basis for all of psychology. So mm. you know, it you gotta when when you hear things like, oh yeah, this or that test wasn't it wasn't made by a psychologist. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, right. they uh, they ran a study recently, a very interesting study where they put they took a group of people who were lay people who had never studied psychology and a group of people who were experts in the field and they told both groups of people okay design personality inventories design some way of thinking about personality basically invent your own personality theory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they applied factor analysis which is the way of determining how valid a particular test is they looked at the validity of both groups and there wasn't a significant difference yeah. so it matters a lot more um, your understanding of human nature than necessarily your background, that lay yep. people um, are just as good at coming up with f- psychological theory, not necessarily psycho, but especially personality theory, than people who have studied the field for a while because yeah. everyone has some level of understanding of human nature. Yeah. So don't use um, the genetic fallacy, don't use where it came from as an argument against its validity. Yeah. Uh, moving on from the Enneagram, uh, if you want to take the Enneagram, uh, by all means, it might do you some good, definitely, yeah. if nothing else. Uh, if you don't agree with your result, it can give you some better understanding of like good and bad tests. If you do agree with the result, it might actually tell you some about who you are. I yeah, think it's it's yeah. not a bad test. I just think it's a little simplistic to be the only test you should go off of. Oh, uh, yeah. Moving on to a test that um, has worked fairly well for both me and David and has a lot of scientific backing behind it, uh, the Myers-Briggs Personality Indicator. Uh, it's something we've both <coughs> taken. It's something we both um, appreciate a whole lot mm-hmm. and something uh, David's actually done some personal research on. Yeah, um, I, I can definitely speak about this one uh, with some actual research knowledge because I actually, uh, for the the psychology department makes you take uh, research, you know, they just do. It's just part of and your education. Oh, yeah. And so my research was on uh, what exactly was the makeup of uh, the uh, the psychology department here and uh, compared to like their Myers-Briggs types. So um, I kind of found that most people here were INFJs. Um, it, we just have a preference at in the psychology department at least towards I, N, and F. Uh, J was also pretty strong. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily the deciding factor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but in this process to get these results, I went through a lot of studies. I went through a lot. And um, some of them don't like the Myers-Briggs. Uh, some of them do. Uh, a lot of the complaint with the Myers-Briggs is that it was made by two novelists. And again, you can't you can't um, discount something just because of uh, it didn't come just because it didn't come from a psychologist. But uh, more so the real problem with it, if there is a problem, is more that it's not a scientific. It's more – it fits better for people who are feelers generally. Uh, some of the research showed that like it works a lot better for people who actually tend towards feeling and intuition. But uh, besides that, like honestly, it, I mean, but for the most part, it works for people mm-hmm. who are uh, sensing types. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit about like what the basis is. It came from Carl Jung's theory of personality. Uh, essentially, he proposed that there were three different matrices. Um, there's introvert versus extrovert. There's, uh, well, was that one? Yeah, of that, was, that one was one of his. Mm-hmm. 
Um, then there was intuitive versus uh, sensing. Then there's feeling versus uh, versus thinking. Uh, now, Myers and Briggs, they actually added a fourth part, the judging versus perceiving. Uh, judging versus perceiving is kind of, it's not necessarily, again, these are value neutral. Um, judging versus perceiving doesn't mean that somebody is, you know, super judgmental and hateful. Actually, it can mean the opposite. Like that can, it's just more about structure. It's more about like wanting structure in certain situations and perceiving people are less likely to plan and judging people are more likely to plan. Right. Uh, feeling versus thinking. It doesn't mean that someone doesn't, uh, think because they feel, um, now, honestly, it's more about how you think, like it, the the form that you think in is either more um, logic and less feelings based or more feeling and less logic based. Uh, there's there's a time for both. Uh, then sensing versus intuition. Sensing is definitely like more tactile. It's more about like what you can see, what you can touch, what you can hear, what you can smell. It's about what's basically there. And then intuition is more about like understanding like the big picture and looking at things from a broad lens. Uh, then introvert versus extrovert. It's it. This is actually one of the uh, matrices that uh, pretty much everybody knows about, but it's kind of misunderstood in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, introverts do not necessarily want to be alone. Uh, extroverts don't necessarily want to be with other people. Uh, a lot of what it is is how you get your energy and how you perceive things. Uh, it, it's introvert. Uh, the word pretty much means like perceiving the inside world, whereas extrovert is the outside world. Now, along with that, most extroverts like more stimulation, whereas introverts like less stimulation most of the time. So, I mean, that does usually play out as people like to be around people or don't like to be around people. They're more social or less social. But for me, for instance, I'm a fairly outgoing person, but I am a strong introvert, uh, you know. And there's plenty of, you know, and I can say this for uh, my girlfriend as well. She's an extrovert, but she is definitely more of a uh, less social extrovert and more of a, you know, and you know, she's she's thinking about the outside world, but she doesn't want to be in the outside world. Does that make sense? Yes, uh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who is um, talking about pers uh, individual types. So let's say you go to uh, 16personalities.com. Please sponsor us. <laughs> you go to a personality website, you take the test, and they give you your type. So in the Myers-Briggs, you get a four-letter type, um, and that is your what's called your basic personality type. Um, most important about that is understanding each individual trait. Because like David said, these traits are on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. You can be a weak extrovert or a strong extrovert, a weak introvert or a strong introvert, anywhere in between. Yeah. You can be 100% extroverted, 100% introverted. You can be 60% extroverted and 40% introverted. And that's just your tendencies. You will yeah. tend towards yeah. one or the other. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm an ENTP, and I am pretty strong in all of those types. Pretty strongly extroverted, pretty strongly intuitive very strongly thinking and very strongly uh, perceiving. Yeah. So that is my personality and I'm fairly comfortable in it. Uh, a couple of complaints people will have is um, they'll take the test multiple times and they'll get a different result. And that is sometimes you can't help that. Any test will have that. Uh, the main problem is it affects people more who for, who um, who have who are weaker in a particular trait. Yep. For example, you'll have one trait that flops back and forth that means that you're not very, you don't strongly prefer one or the other. Yeah. And that's totally fine. That doesn't mean that there's something defective about your personality. It means that you don't favor one strongly over the other. And that can be an advantage in a lot of situations. Yeah. 
in the the sixteen personality website, uh, they actually add an extra matrices as well, which is turbulent versus uh, concrete. I believe assertive. I, assertive. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, and uh, that essentially means like whether you're strong in what you are or not so strong. And uh, a lot of times when people switch back and forth, uh, what what the research kind of showed me and told me was that it's more of like <clears throat> it's more of like not actually understanding yourself that well. Um, or not having a strong preference, like Spencer said. Mm. So one or the other. Um, and the turbulence a lot of times will come up in the 16 uh, personalities you know, test. So if you want to take that, you should. Um, it'll tell you whether you're confident in your personality as well. Right. I'm very confident in mine. I think Spencer's pretty confident yes. in his. I think, honestly, uh, I think it's one of the biggest biggest things that we as Christians are called to do is to understand ourselves, understand mm-hmm. our identity in Christ okay. and to use that to, you know, further the kingdom. Right. So I was, I was about to get into that. There are spiritual implications for any personality mm-hmm. test, uh, especially the Myers-Briggs, because I've read, I've read a book before, which is really interesting. Um, I'll try to remember the title, but essentially what they're saying is you can understand a little bit more about your spiritual journey by way of personality. For example, um, as someone who is perceiving, someone who is not, who is very spontaneous, I don't like order, I don't like cleaning sometimes, um, I'm not particularly neat, but I'm very spontaneous, I'm very open to new experiences. Uh, that means that something I have to watch out for is um, having a regular devotional time is very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I have trouble keeping schedules I don't have to keep, um, but I might be better at perceiving like spontaneously, uh, understanding something about God, or praising yeah. Him throughout the day, or having devotional experiences in my day-to-day life. But that doesn't give me an excuse for not having a regular devotional time. I need to understand my strengths, but um, also be aware of my weaknesses. That um, because I know that's a weakness of mine, that I can cover for that. But it means that I have advantages over someone uh, who thinks that that's the only way to structure their life. If they think that the only measure of um, having a good devotional life is having that, you know, 15 minutes as you wake up. Um, they're probably not going to be very happy if they are um, perceiving and they've been told by someone who's judging that that's how you yeah. worship God, that's yep. how you have a good life uh, with God, then they're going to be miserable. <laughs> yeah. So um, this helps you understand your personal devotional life mm-hmm. and how you can best glorify God. Yeah. That I will, um, I really love times of corporate worship, as, and I think that's tied to yeah. me being extroverted, but it means that whenever I do have those times of personal individual worship, I can savor those even more knowing, Hey, I don't have to be with people to worship God. Yeah. And it's the exact opposite for me. I, my personality type is an INFP and, um, yeah, like Spencer was saying, like, it's kind of the opposite for me. It's like, I am, I'm very much better at time alone with God, but the church is also called to uh, be a part of the community and, you know, to step in and be a part of things. That's that's a little bit harder for me sometimes. I like to be social, but my relationship with God, again, it's a very internal world. It's not an external world for me. So it's like I'm thinking about me one-on-one with God, but a lot of times it needs to be me and the community. And that's a big thing. Uh, it, you can do this for pretty much – you can look at this with all the personality types with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, in other tests as well. Like uh, I know that me as a perceiver, a lot of times, like Spencer was saying, I have a lot of brief like – well, not brief, but like intense 
like in-depth things with God, and then it's harder for me to do the regular, you know, day to day. And um, that's something you have to look out for because the brief, I mean, the the like small little bits where you have like intense moments with God, that's very important. But at the same time, it, it's just not about feeling and it's not about, you know, bits. It's about the long haul. So you have to actually plan for both, you know. And it, the same goes for judges. Like if you're having a day-to-day with God, but you're not having – <clears throat> you're not having any true like passion in it or like it, anything like that, you may actually be missing out a lot because if if it's just rote, then that's not... It, God didn't call for religiosity. You know, he didn't call for the same thing over and over again. He called for like true passion and true concern for him. So, and I, I think you can kind of do that with all different personality types. I mean, sensing, intuition, you know, feeling, thinking, you know, it's all there, you know. I think that's the uh, what Paul was getting at whenever he, com- he compared the church to a body. Mm-hmm. The the ENTP cannot say to the ISFJ, "I don't need you." Yep. yep. The the ENFJ can't say to the uh, ESFJ, "I don't need you," yeah. because all of us have uh, really really bad weaknesses that we need to be mm-hmm. covered by. We need to cover in each other, and we have wonderful strengths that we need to celebrate. Yep. So celebrate other people's personalities. Celebrate their strengths, but also be willing to ask for help because you know you can't do everything. Yeah, and if you look at, like, all throughout the Bible, we're not really supposed to, like, model ourselves after characters in the Bible. But because, I mean, it's a story about God. It's not a story about them. Um, But if you look at people that God picks, they're a variety of people. They're not the same person. They're all different. Like, people even disagree on things. They have different personalities, and they're, like, it's very ranging. It's very ranging. Like you have fishermen who are disciples. You have tax collectors who are shrewd. You have someone who was literally there to betray Jesus. You know, they were all important to what God wanted. He, he picked all of them. So it, you have to think about it like that. You have to, you know, and I think there's a passage that talks about like not like criticizing someone just because they're different. I don't, right. I don't remember exactly yeah. what it I, says that a couple of times. Someone who yeah. is, the Bible says, you know, someone who's weaker in the faith, who can't mm-hmm. do something because of conscience, respect that. Yeah. Respect those differences in preferences and those differences in um, styles of communication, yeah. those differences in thought in other people. And if you can do that, um, one of the other huge benefits, other than just understanding yourself, your strengths and weaknesses, is you can then, once you know yourself, you can relate to others p- better. Yeah. You can have compassion on others because you know they don't think like you do. Yeah. A really cool random thing that I just thought of one of the um, one of the studies I looked at they actually the mission the Southern Baptist mission uh, missionaries they uh, did a study to see whether there was like a certain personality type that was actually better at being a missionary and it was more like which ones stayed and which one was were more successful in what they were doing. Um, and they actually found some results. I, I don't have up here what the exact results were, but there are actually like personalities that are better at doing certain things and it's spiritual. And um, if you look at the composition of the church, it's like ants. There's different kinds of ants that work in different kinds of things. And, uh, you know, it's a big it's a big body in the end. It's a collective intelligence. It's you know, we are the bride, and as the bride, we aren't 
each individual ant, we are the whole. And I mean, each individual ant is needed, mm. but you have to look at it as a whole, you know? So understand yourself, but also you can understand um, your place in the world around you. Yeah. And it'll start to make a little bit more sense. This crazy mixed up world we live in, <laughs> we can understand a little bit more about it when you understand the little building blocks that make up you. Yeah. Um, before we close, we're going to talk about some uh, other tests. Uh, yeah. Mention some briefly that are that can also be useful if you want to know more. If you've already taken these tests and you're interested in understanding other ways to think about personality, because every test is measuring the same thing but measuring it in different ways. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways to think about what makes you you, and there's not necessarily a wrong way to do it. Yeah. But you want to use ones that are more credible, that are a little bit more complete, and give you a, a healthier understanding of who you are. Yeah. One. Uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, a couple of the ones that we've both looked into, and some that are very credible, in fact, is what's called the uh, Big Five Factor Model, which was developed by psychologists. It's very similar to the Myers-Briggs in that it gives you a spectrum with certain traits. Um, it is specifically designed to be as accurate as possible. Yeah. Um, another one is the 16 Personality Factor Model, um, which is a lot. It gives you 16 separate traits, uh, all of them on a spectrum. Yeah. And that one... Uh, it measures some of the same things as uh, the Myers-Briggs and the Big Five test, uh, but it tries to be more specific. For example, it splits up the trait of extroversion into uh, social dominance yep. is one of the things, yep. and uh, desire to be around people, essentially. It splits it up into different things. So as an extrovert, I, s I score pretty highly on most of the traits, but I score a little lower on social dominance. Yeah. Um, I'm <coughs> Sometimes I get kind of a skewed uh, judging uh, percentage whenever I take the test because I am goal-driven, which is usually a, uh, assigned as a judging trait, but I'm not organized and I'm not uh, reliable. So <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not structured and organized like that. Yeah. So I like that the 16 personality factor uh, test, it breaks up some of those traits so you can get a little bit more specifically into why you get those more overall yeah. traits with the other tests. And uh, one thing I would say, uh, I, I haven't had successful results with the 16 personality type, but from what the, the research perspective, I definitely strongly believe in it just because of how specific it is. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I mean, yeah. So the 16 personality test, I've only taken it once and it didn't really exactly work out for me. I'm probably going to take it again. It was more so that I just honestly got bored with it. It was for a school assignment and it, it really just like had too much to do at the time. So it, you have to take that into consideration as well. Mm -hmm. Like your temperament is also going to affect these right. things. Uh, the big five, uh, it's, it's very, very well like documented that it's very accurate. Um, it, now here's the kicker with that. It may be accurate, but what does it measure really is the big question with that. Um, yeah, I, I I support all both of those tests. Mm -hmm. I think taking Myers Briggs sixteen and the Big Five all together, that would probably be your best shot. Maybe right. taking them a couple times. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think one interesting aspect of canoe is what you call the Big Five or ocean, one or the other, is neuroticism. The oh, idea yes, of that's how a fun one. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like turbulence in a way. It's it's more like how mentally stable you are. And uh, I think that's a very important one for the big five. I think, uh, yeah, if your neuroticism is high, you you should probably get help. I mean, like, mm -hmm. it's just a thing of human nature. Like, people need help, yeah. so you should 
see if yeah. you need help and get help if you do. It's yeah. a very interesting trait because at first glance, neuroticism does not sound like a pleasant word. Yep. It doesn't sound like a yep. good thing. And a lot of the things that are part of it, like high anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, tends to be higher stress, uh, more difficulty dealing with new situations. But they've done research and people who are high in neuroticism do much better in high stress yep. environments. Yeah, they do. Because it basically means you're more on alert than someone else and you're going to be more driven to deal with the source of your anxiety. Yep. And so it, again, a healthy approach to neuroticism can be very powerful. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. and that's the thing. I, I wasn't trying to say that yeah. there's a... Yeah. It's it's value neutral. It's it's honestly, it can be a very good thing. And uh, I've looked into some research and it, I, I saw something about like neuroticism being very highly correlated with like trauma and being able to deal with trauma. Like people mm -hmm. who make it out of trauma okay usually are high in neuroticism. And that kind of says, uh, you know, like it has its place as well. Mm -hmm. it, it, what's interesting is, is that's probably one of the traits that makes people think that you're weird. But at mm -hmm. the same time, it can be very useful if you're in a high stress life. You know, if you're just constantly stressed out and stuff, it could actually be useful. So, mm -hmm. you know. And that all falls under uh, research you can do on your own. Because yeah. this is the just the uh, jumping off point. If you want yeah. to be a personality nerd like me and my friend here, <laughs> then you too can become an expert, a relative expert, uh, in what it takes uh, to build a personality. Yeah. The different factors and uh, models and ideas that swirl around it. Because in the end, we all really just want to understand ourselves. And that's not always an easy thing. Sometimes it's a lot easier to understand the world out there than the world in here. And whenever you begin to understand the world uh, that works and ticks inside of you, then it's a much, uh, you're well on the way to becoming a fully achieved human being. Yeah. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. <laughs> <laughs> we like to call that uh, self-actualization in psychology. Some but of us do. Yeah, some of us do. Well, I'm calling it fully achieved. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I mean, biblically speaking, there's a, there's a basis for that. That's what sanctification is. It's, you know, us becoming better and better mm -hmm. versions of ourselves. So just, you know, it, it personality is important. It is actually important, and uh, you should look into it. It's, yeah. it's pretty important to your life. Well, that's about all we had for today. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all of your wonderful support, because without you, we'd be two dudes talking in the closet, which yep. happens from time to time. But <laughs> it's more interesting with all of our listeners to support us. Yeah. Uh, this has been David Irvin. And Spencer Baker. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. The opinions expressed in this show are not those of professionals and should not be taken as official medical or psychiatric advice or suggestion. The Psychcast is a product of WJBC The Roar. Visit us at wjbctheroar.podbean.com and contact us at wjbcradio at bryan.edu.